Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, it is indeed time for 48 Days to the Work You Love, where we get a chance to open that magic mailbox, look at your questions, unpack them together, look at the kind of things that are challenging all of us in today's workplace and life in general as well. Well, I'm excited about getting into this today. Our theme is going to be, We Were Made to Thrive. Got a quotation that'll go along with that, and a little song clip as well. We Were Made to Thrive. Our sponsor today is harrys.com. You hear me talk about my favorite razor, my favorite way to start the day every day. You know, I'm one of those guys that even on Saturday morning, I mean, if I'm going to just hang around here at home and do work outside, I still like to shave. I just like the feeling of being clean shaven. Anyway, we'll tell you a little bit more about that. Harrys.com. Go there. Use 48 days as a code to get five bucks off your first purchase. Well, here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, isn't positive thinking the same as the name and claim it theology? We could just park on that one all day. I'm going to give a real brief kind of response to that, but it's certainly a legitimate and important question. Somebody says, I don't like being placed in a box identified by four letters like DISC or ENTJ or all those other acronyms we use to identify you're this kind of person. We know what you're going to do in advance. Well, we'll we'll look at, is that, does that really confine us or do we still have freedom to move around and be different people at different times? Well, we'll have fun with that. Dan, can I make money with a hot dog stand? I love those kind of real practical questions. Dan, I've been driving truck for three years, but I really dislike my job. I'm torn about leaving and feeling like a squirrel trapped in a cage. All right. And somebody says, can I make a living writing songs? Well, great questions as always. Not easy answers, but certainly things where we can peruse some possibilities, come up with plan of action. Nobody needs to be stuck. Nobody needs to feel trapped. We all have options, can move move forward with confidence. Well, our quotation is actually from the song lyrics from a song by Casting Crowns. Somebody suggested it. We're going to share it right at the end of the podcast today. I'm going to play a little clip, but the quotation, the last verse of the song we were made to thrive is we know we were made for so much more than ordinary lives. It's time for us to more than just survive. We were made to thrive. Great way to kick off our show today. We were made to thrive. Great thing to think about, to keep in the front of our front of our minds. Well, let me share a couple of success stories and I'm going to go right into the questions because we have so many of them today. So many great questions I want to deal with, but I don't want to shortchange the success stories either. Kamansi Constable, you've heard a lot about his story, how he went from being a bread truck delivery guy to getting out of debt, losing 170 pounds, moving his family to Hawaii, so on and so forth. He writes primarily and he writes for major publications that opens the door for a lot of interviews, speaking opportunities. This has to do with his speaking opportunities. Kamanzi says, I booked my highest fee event today. I didn't think it was real. So when I met with the organizer last week, I asked for 75% of the fee up front. Today, they wire transferred the money to my account, booked all the travel, 
That's six international events and four here in the States that I booked this month. The cool thing is they all found me through various articles I've written. I love doing this for a living. Well, Kamanzi, thanks for your your note and your updates. Love hearing about what it is you're doing out there. Here's another one. This also has to do with speaking. This comes from Jeff Jones. Jeff is a former drummer with Big Daddy Weave and uh, found some opportunities while he was doing that, created a great transition. He makes personalized drumsticks. I have a couple sets here in my office, and he also has become a professional speaker as well. He says, I thought I would share a little bit of what's going on in my world of speaking. I attended Kent Julian's Speak It Forward Boot Camp twice. The first time I was too afraid to take the leap. I also became a part of his Speak It Forward Mastermind group. I made an investment in my future and in Kent because I trust him completely. Fast forward a few months and here's the short story. I have six keynotes and 12 workshops all in my niche market over a 19 day period. I will make back more than twice what I invested in the entire Speak It Forward process in that time frame. I also got a booking for a state conference as a keynote for my full keynote fee scheduled for April. Audience size is approximately 2,000 people plus selling merchandise. Thanks, Kent. It works. Jeff, thanks for your story and update. You know, I, I know a lot of you want to be speakers. I listened to an interview this morning, Jamie, Jamie Tardy. Uh, of the eventual millionaire podcast was interviewing Michael Port, who's certainly known for being a professional speaker and teaching others. I know a lot of you want to be speakers. That, that's one of those things. It's not just either you are born a good speaker or you're not, not at all. You learn how to be a great speaker. And if you want to learn how to be a great speaker and get paid for that, then go through the steps invest in the process, come out the other side, just like Jeff and Kamanza here, where you're making big money, speaking, sharing a message that you're passionate about. Michael Allen, Allen Williamson says, Dan, I wanted to share with you a win I achieved last weekend with your books, your podcast, your community. I've moved from, I can't sell to simply asking for something and getting it. My wife and I had the opportunity to meet with a hero of mine, a fiction author, who has landed on the New York times bestseller list numerous times. When we arrived at the event, introduced ourselves, he recognized me and remembered my last name before I could say it. That was the result of my work on social media and connecting with him online. At the conclusion of the event, I asked him if we could buy him dinner and he graciously accepted. All I had to do was ask. We bought him dinner, talked about his life and his travels, gave him room to just hang out at the end of the evening. He said, thank you. I rarely get a chance to just hang out. This was fun. And he gave my wife a big hug. It was truly an honor to spend time with this author. And I feel like I made a friend. Dan, thanks for your guidance and leadership. I'm learning and growing so much by being in the 48 days community. Well, that, that's a great update. I love that. Just ask, ask a famous author. I don't know who it was. Michael didn't share who it was, but a famous author showed up at, a, at an event, asked him to go to dinner. He said, yes. You know, in the 48 days steps, number 47 is ask a millionaire to lunch. And I have more people get stuck on that step than anything else that I ask them to do. Take a millionaire to lunch. And it always baffles me why that's so difficult. But people decide in advance. Gee, he, he or she 
would not have time. They're too busy. They're too important. They wouldn't acknowledge me. You know, all, all those, you decide in advance. Well, just like Michael's sharing here, you might be surprised what the response is. If you just ask, just ask, you might be surprised how willing people who are successful are to share, share their advice and opinion in time. Well, let me go on. Now, last week I shared about Andrew Miller who had started a Kickstarter project. He's created a little game that you do a little booklet thing. And you go through it as a family or with friends and you go through and create your own characters and in essence, create your own game. It's called the cloud dungeon. So he put it up on Kickstarter and he put it up there that he wanted to raise $2,000. A Kickstarter is just one of the crowdfunding resources out there where people are participants. They aren't technically buying something, but they get rewards as a result of participating. And Andrew has it set up like that where you get rewards. So he wanted to get $2,000. Well, he sent us a note, you know, and said that he already raised $8,000. This was about a week and a half ago. Last week, when I was recording the podcast, I jumped onto his Kickstarter site and it was already over 11,000. So he wanted 2000. He sent me a note that it had 8,000. When I looked, it was at 11,000. Well, I've been watching this this week. I sent him a note a couple of days ago and I said, what are you doing to generate that kind of response for a little paper game? You know, where it just keeps money comes, keeps coming in. I mean, as I have it up on my screen, I see, oh, here's another $5. Here's another $10. Well, this morning, now I'm recording this on September 23rd, as I always do on Wednesday morning, then it's released on Friday. But as of September 23rd, uh, that little thing has seven more days to go. And he's now over $19,000. So he wanted his stretch goal was to get $2,000. It's now at $19,621. Well, anyway, Andrew says, yes, I'm totally overwhelmed by the support I've gotten. I've succeeded on a level that many established game brands don't see. I've had a couple lucky breaks. Kickstarter featured me in their newsletter, posted about my project on their Facebook page, but it feels like it's doing better than what a few strikes of lightning can explain. My campaign is certainly outperforming many better known game designers with bigger audiences. Well, we don't know. It's one of those things. It's hard to explain. But you know, that is the process when you create a clear plan of action and take action, success often shows up in unexpected ways. We, we aren't sure how it happens. We aren't sure what's going on. It just shows up. Hey, that's the way it is. When you get in the game, when you create a plan of action and do something and thus you jump into our group of what we call the champions yes we are the champions love to get to this part of the show each week where we pull up the old queen song but celebrate the success that a lot of you are having so if you got a success story be sure to shoot it over to us just go to the 48days.com site click on ask dan you'll see there a place where you can just share your question or your success story or you can just shoot it directly to me at ask dan at 48days.com Well, let me just remind you again about our sponsor today, that being harrys.com where I get my razors 
and encourage you to do the same. You know, I run into people just every week who mention that to me when I go out and speak. I spoke just last week at a, a conference up in Kentucky. I'm getting ready to go to Kalamazoo, Michigan. And it, it just everywhere I go, people say, hey, man, you got me switched to Harry's Razors. Love it. Love the handles. Love the personalization. Love the smooth feel and all of that. Well, you can go to Harry's com use 48 days as the code you'll get five dollars off and those beginning kits are only like 15 bucks to start with that include you know, your handle multiple razors foaming gel i mean everything you're going to need in there so what a deal why wouldn't you do that go to 48 go to harrys.com use 48 days get five dollars off your purchase well this comes from Teresa, who says i've heard you tell the story now th- this this is Boy, this is interesting. I love this question, and I I should perhaps devote more time to answering it, but I'm going to give you the short version today. Teresa says, I've heard you tell the story about how Zig Ziglar and his wife visualized all the details of the house they wanted, including how long the swimming pool would be. And I hear you talk about Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. How is that different than the name it and claim it theology that implies we can have anything we want just by claiming it? All right. Now, I know that there's a whole lot of you that have a wide variety of theological backgrounds. There's some of you that were certainly raised in that name it and claim it kind of theology. And you know, you know, that the, the, the kind of gospel that has been given many names, name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it gospel, health and wealth, word of faith prosperity gospel, positive confession, theology. I mean, those are all terms that kind of describe the same thing. A lot of you probably grew up with some of that. Some of you may have grown up with a theology that sees that as totally evil, wrong, self-centered, materialistic, greedy, or whatever. Well, there's every shade that you can imagine in between But when we compare that to how Zig Ziglar and Gene visualized the house that they wanted, all the way down to how long the swimming pool was going to be. Zig wanted the swimming pool to be one foot longer than the country club swimming pool where he grew up, where he was thrown out because he wasn't, his family wasn't a member and he was kicked out and he made a vow as a, a little kid that he was going to have a swimming pool one foot longer than they had there, which he ultimately did. When Joanna and I purchased the house that we currently live in, you know, we decided in advance exactly what we wanted. We made a long list of things that we wanted. And when we went out, that would help as a screening tool by which we would decide, does this house even have a possibility But now think about the process that we're talking about here. When we talk about the name it and claim it, and really that kind of theology is almost more akin to new age metaphysics than it is to scripture. I'm going to, you know, I know I'm in thin ice here with a whole lot of you in terms of how I'm going to explain this. I'm very comfortable in this space. And to me, they're very different, but the name it and claim it, or even things like the secret, which was, you know, violently opposed by a lot of people. 
But the secret essentially said, if you want a gold Mercedes in your driveway, just close your eyes and think about it strong enough and it's going to appear. There's some of that same kind of thinking in the name it and claim it philosophy. I'm just going to ask God for it. God has promised his blessings. I'm just going to ask God for it. I'm going to just ask God for that new job, that new car, the new house, a winning lottery ticket. And we can go anywhere you want to in that. I'm just going to ask God and then I'm just going to claim it. Well, I don't see a whole lot of success coming with that kind of formula. And this is where I'm going to get into trouble with some of you because you think that I don't believe in, in prayer asking God, not at all. But I think that we have a component that has to go along with that. I think faith, faith is an action. I don't think it's just sitting and wishing and hoping or dreaming or praying. Frankly, I think faith ultimately comes down to doing what we know to do. So if I want a better job, sure. Pray about that. Ask for guidance. Believe for that. Believe that it's coming. Positive anticipation. You can call it anything you want to, but then what am I going to do? I'm going to make a list of 30 to 40 companies. I'm going to contact them three different times. I'm going to show up at their front door. I'm going to meet people who can lead me to other people of influence that have the ability to make decisions. I'm going to be really active in that job search. Now, is that overstepping God's providence? I don't think so at all. In the same way, if I want a new car, let's say I want that gold Mercedes that I mentioned. That's not an evil kind of thing, but it's, it's really ridiculous. I think to just say, God, give me a gold Mercedes. But now what if I decide that I'm going to save my money? I'm doing some things. My income is increasing. I know I can pay cash for that. I know I can buy that Mercedes with no more than one month's income going toward it. I've worked really hard. I'm shopping wisely. I know that Mercedes hold their value really well. I'm not going to get a new one. I'm going to get one that's three years old that has 60,000 miles on it because the depreciation is essentially already gone. I mean, all, and then you purchase one. That's a great plan. That's a wonderful plan. That's the way successful people work. They do decide in advance what they want, what they want their life to look like. I mean, I'm encouraging you right now to decide what you want 2016 to look like. Absolutely. But my next question is, what's your plan to do it? I mean, that's the difference between a dream and a goal. A dream, yeah, we all have those. You know, you want to, whatever, you want to take a European vacation. That's a dream. But a, a goal is when you decide, we're going to do that in June of 2016. We're going to allocate $1,000 a month between now and then to go toward that vacation. And we're going to book our tickets six months in advance. We're going to use Airbnb for a place to stay while we're in Europe, in Italy and Germany and Spain. I mean, then you got a plan. That's a plan. Frederick Douglass was an African-American theologian, author, he said, I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. Well, I'm going to move on. Oh, that's a good, that's a good segue right there. I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. I'm going to let you think about that and we're going to move on. 
Bob says, Dan, I find that in the course of my life, there are moments when I have to be all the personalities identified by personality test. I'm a husband, dad, son, sibling, employee, coach, teammate, fan, servant, and more. Maybe it's my rebellious nature, but I do not like being placed in a box identified by four letters. <laughs> I want to use my strengths, but I also occasionally enjoy going outside my comfort zone to work on my weaknesses so that I can grow. Do you have any advice on how to balance using your talents against working on the parts of your character that don't show as strengths on the personality test traits that you need to be successful? Or should I concentrate on just what I do well and I'm passionate about and seek help for everything else? Okay. Great question. Great question, Bob. When we identify somebody using the Myers-Briggs or the Strength Finders or the DISC or the Fascination Index or the Berkman or all or the Kobe, there are all kinds of things out there. It's not to then erase all spontaneity from your life, but it's to identify the normal tendencies that you have. And I love solitude. I love doing things in solitude. I love reading and listening walking but then we have events here at the sanctuary does that just embrace my desire for solitude no i am different on those two days but that's it here's here's the challenge when you know yourself you want to embrace that 95 percent of the time so if you are let's say that you are an introvert you want to embrace that. If you have a job that requires you to go out and knock on 30 doors every day, you're going to get, you know, you're, you're going to get migraines. You're going to get stomach problems. You know, you're, you're going to have challenges because it doesn't fit you and you're forcing yourself to be something other than which you are naturally so much of the time. Now, if you're a very compassionate, understanding person, so you're a high S on the disc profile, you want people to, approve of you. You want to be their friend. You don't like confrontation or criticism. And you've got a three-year-old and a three-year-old reaches his hand up to touch a hot burning stove. You aren't going to say, well, now Johnny, I don't really think that's a good idea. You know, I would encourage you to consider another choice at this time. No, you're going to grab his hand. That's a characteristic that puts you in the D category, very direct determined, aggressive, forceful. But you're going to do that at that particular time because of what's required right then. But that doesn't mean that that's going to change your parenting style overall. It just means that right then. Yeah. Now, now in answer to another part of your question here, Bob, I do encourage you to stay in your strengths most of the time and to not just try to develop your weaknesses. If you try to just develop those areas where you're weak, you end up being mediocre in a whole lot of things. No, Stay in your strengths 95% of your time. Sure, have fun out of the 5% you come out, but in things that really need to be developed on an ongoing basis that you don't do well, have somebody else do that. Absolutely. Well, let me move on. Peter says, how are you doing? My name is Peter Royston. I live in Zimbabwe, Africa. I've been exposed to the DISC profile tool through Career and Purpose Quest, as well as People Puzzle. It's such an effective tool. And there's such a need for it here. I wanted to find out how your certification process works. If there's an online platform and if there is an ongoing support after certification 
Any assistance and information will be greatly appreciated. Peter, well, yeah, we have a lot of people that go through DISC certification. We have, it's, it is an online course done totally online. I mean, I introduce it and then, you know, we have an instructor who walks you through the process, but it, we use digital chalk. It's an online training tool and you can go right through there and become DISC certified. You can then connect with people like Jill Davis, who has an entire workshop based on that. You may, you may use that as the format of doing workshops and seminars where you're paid very well. I certainly did that in the years when I was building the business that I have today. If you want to know about the DISC certification, just shoot a note to my daughter, Ashley. She coordinates all of that. She's developed our entire program around the DISC. But just send it to Ashley at 48days.com. She'll give you more information about how to become DISC certified and introduce it there where you are in Africa. All right, now I want you to listen to a little audio here. I got a question here that I uh, is a really cool question. The audio quality is not great. I think Brent was probably standing outside somewhere, but I want you to listen to his question. Hey, Dan, this is Brent from Durham, North Carolina. I'm a member of 48days.net and I have a listener to your podcast. I was contemplating starting a new venture where I have a hot dog cart. You know, the ones you see sitting out in front of. Uh, Home department stores, um, Walmart, Lowe's, Home Depot. Wonder what your thoughts are on starting a business like that, and if it's a, if it can be profitable. I'm interested on your, on your thoughts. Uh, um, I have a job right now where I make about sixty thousand dollars a year, and wanted to see if it would be, um, even close to being able to replace that income with a hot dog cart business interested in your thoughts thank you for all you do dan your inspiration to to me and a lot of people well brad thanks for your question can you make money with a hot dog stand yes absolutely however be really really careful hot dog stand in many ways is like a vending machine and the key characteristic of having a vending machine is location. You have it in a place where there's going to be a lot of traffic. That's certainly true with a hot dog stand. Now I have a friend, client of mine who has a hot dog stand. She and her son work it on the weekends in front of Lowe's. Now on the weekends, guaranteed a lot of traffic coming in and out. They serve people well and they can make between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars on a weekend. You know, they're Saturday and Sunday. So it's a lot of work, but yeah, that's decent money, but they're in a prime location. If you're at a street fair or festival and the weather is good, you may have comparable success, but also you could be set up somewhere and the weather turns bad and all of a sudden you don't make anything or you make $200. You don't cover the cost and you have food that spoils. I mean, there's a lot of variables in that. It's one of those. Yeah, I believe in it. I've seen people have a lot of success, but it's hard to scale it for one thing. And what that, what I mean by that is I like businesses. Well, I like ideas for one thing, things that I can do one time and get paid 10,000 times with a hot dog stand. It's very labor and time intensive. You're just out there. You're at the, the whims of what the weather is. 
what the traffic happens to be at that particular time. You know, so there are a lot of variables that are going to affect dramatically what your success is. So location is the number one factor. It's hard to scale also in terms of if you get multiple hot dog stands, then you have to pay somebody. Well, paying somebody where the transactions are going to largely be cash, hard to track. There's a big integrity and honesty factor involved to make it work well. And by the time you pay somebody and they're going to expect to be paid hourly, you know, that's going to eat into the profits. It's hard to have much left. I haven't seen a lot of success with people who try to have multiple locations with something like a hot dog stand or slushies or shaved ice. Those kind of things are all kind of in the same category. Pretty tough. But here, here's how I want your thinking to go. If that's something you're thinking about, for one thing, I want you to come up with 20 other ideas that would be similar. What are 20 other things that you could do that would be kind of similar to that? There's a, there's a story that I tell. Um, this was uh, some years ago, but while registering his car in Miami, Louis DiRamando saw a hot dog vendor and bought a hot dog. But then he saw a for sale sign hanging on the cart. Now, here's what happened. On impulse, he bought that cart for $1,500, set up his own business, selling hot dogs. But in his hurry to get up and running, he forgot to remove the for sale sign. On the first day, he sold more than 100 hot dogs. But what intrigued him most was the number of people asking if they could buy the cart. Today, Louis sells more than 4,000 carts a year out of a Miami showroom. I mean, you can check him out. He now has flower carts, pretzel carts, hot dog stand, coffee carts. In addition to the original hot dog stands, he generates more than $30 million annually in company sales. Now, I love that because he recognized an opportunity that was just a little bit parallel to what he was doing, saw that the opportunity, that there was more opportunity in selling the carts than there was in selling the hot dogs. Let me give you another example of that. In 1848, gold was discovered in California. Sutter's Fort. By May of 1848, I mean, there were reports about how much gold was being discovered there. 28-year-old Samuel Brannan purchased a little vial of gold went back to San Francisco, was about 90 miles away, got off the train and he waved that little bag of gold, says, man, there is more of this in those hills than they can haul out in wheelbarrows. Now again, where did he get his gold? He didn't mine for it. He didn't know how to find gold. He bought it, but he went back and said, golly, there's more of this than they can haul out in wheelbarrows. That was in May of 1848. By June, one month later, we're told that over 75% of the male population of, of, San Francisco had left and gone to Fort Sutter. Now here's the deal. What Samuel Brandon did, he set up a little shop. He sold shovels, picks, supplies, you know, beef jerky, whatever to those wide eyed miners. He was the first bona fide California millionaire developed from the gold rush. And he never looked for gold himself at all. We're told that his store in 1848 was selling as much as $5,000 a day, which in today's dollars, that'd be over $150,000 a day by selling supplies to the miners. Now there's all kinds of things like that out there. I mean, think about, think about today. I mean, we, we told 
a whole lot of kids that their best opportunities was in computer programming, computer technology. So, I mean, look at the number of people today who make their living sitting at a desk, looking at a computer screen eight or 10 hours a day. And what does that do to a person physically as opposed to mining gold or laying railroad ties or something or farming? It's a much different physical experience. What is another industry that has exploded because of what has happened to people physically who have focused on computer programming or computer data, computer work at some way, massage therapist. I mean, today we have over four times the massage therapist we had 10 years ago because they recognize the need to address the physical ailments of those people who change their work so dramatically. So rather than going into computer programming themselves, they set up to take an opportunity, see the opportunity that was just a little bit aside of that. I love those kind of ideas. I would encourage you before you get a single hot dog stand to look at other associated ideas like that, that may give you a much bigger opportunity to have a single hot dog stand or even multiples and try to replace $60,000 a year in income. I think that's a real push. I think that would be, that would be exceptional to be able to do that with one hot dog stand possible. Yes. In a perfect location, probable, not really. And the work required with that evenings, weekends, totally kissing goodbye because that's when you need to be out there busy with a hot dog stand. Well, Cameron says, I heard your podcast about the 48 days career seminar and getting it into a a thousand organizations. I mentioned that, that we it's, we're just releasing it and we want to get it into a thousand organizations this next year. What is crazy is my friend Ryan and I have listened to you for years. And over the past few months, we started a mastermind from your teachings In our group. We've been going through your workbook on 48 days, working our way through it. We had the idea to develop a career guidance course and facilitate it like financial peace university that we coordinated at our church. We modeled our idea from your 48 low cost business ideas with your plans in the works. We wanted to reach out to see how we could help you reach your goals. We realize a lot goes into coaching and we're not experts, but we do have a desire to serve others. We would love to connect with you, Cameron from Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Well, Cameron, I would love to connect with you. We just launched that this last Sunday. I spoke three times at Bethel church here locally in Brentwood, Tennessee, and they launched that program this week, the 48 day seminar. They started with a, a hundred kits and had those people sign up and are ready to go. That's exactly what I want to do. We are ready to go. We have the new workbook created. You can't find it on our site anywhere. It's only available as part of the seminar process. We have the brand new workbook. It's amazingly more professional. Dr. Terry Hathaway did the writing, the compilation on that, did a beautiful, beautiful job. And he also created the leader's guide to go along with that. We're creating the online resources, videos, and ancillary material anecdotal stories from me that all accompany that. And yes, we're ready to have a whole lot of people like you, Cameron, raise your hand and say, you want to facilitate that program. Love to talk to you. This comes from Aaron who says, I've been devouring your book for the past two weeks. I absolutely love it. I know it's what I needed in the season of life. I'm looking to transition into the it industry programming and software development. I was just talking about, uh, I'm wanted transition into the IT industry from personal training. 
I've always had a passion for computers since I was in middle and high school, but felt I took the wrong path in college. What advice would you give to make that kind of career change in 48 days? Thanks for your book and your inspiration, Aaron. Well, Aaron, you know, being realistic, I mean, you aren't going to make that kind of complete career change in 48 days, but you can certainly map out the transition process and what you have to do. So if you're in personal training, you want to go into IT, I mean, just jump on like Udemy or lynda.com or even, you know, some of the Microsoft programs and see what are some of the programs select two or three programs where you can become an expert in that in three or four weeks where you go through a course and you learn that. So you start getting these deep pockets of expertise in very specific, specific areas. You don't have to know everything about it, but become an expert in something where you really understand, you know, Excel spreadsheets or database input or something where you are an expert on that. You know, look at some of the new things that are out there and uh, jump on those. Now you can do that and, and you can realistically position yourself in six months so that you can be a candidate for a new opportunity. I mean, these things in, in information technology and IT are so specialized and you can become really, really good in a very short period of time in something and, and have marketable skills in that area where you promote. That is what you're going to do. All right. Got another, got another audio here. We're going to listen to about a job search. Hey, Dan, this is Mark. I'm working my way through the 48 days program, and I'm having trouble coming up with 30 organizations that I could see myself working at. Will it be a problem if I only send out my resume to, say, 16 or 17 organizations? And if you do think that's a problem, how do I go about finding and expanding my list to 30? Thanks for your help. Well, let me, let me address the second part first. You can expand your list by, if you go to the local chamber of commerce, and just get a list of all the companies in your local area that'll identify what they do, how many people they have in already there, who the contact people are. I mean, that's a great way. You can easily expand that list in almost any industry to 30 or 40. And, and I would encourage you to make that, to make the logistics make sense. I mean, do it where they're in a 20 mile radius of where you live. So you don't have some ridiculous commute. I mean, just see yourself in the driver's seat. But you ought to be able to expand the list. You can go to Hoover's business directory online on other business directories online just to scan through the kinds of businesses so you get the players in a particular industry niche. I don't know what exactly it is that you're looking for, but you certainly can do that. Now, if you have on your list 16 or 18, rather than the 30 or 40 that I recommend, you just change the odds a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's still a good number. What I don't want you to do is find one company and you want to work for that company. That's where I see people get disappointed again and again and again. When I have people come to me still, you know, say, gee, I want to work for, you know, Ingram Publishing. Well, that's fine. How about what are 19 other companies? No, I want to work for them. Well, there are too many variables in what happens in one company for that to be a reasonable part of your job search process. So expand that. But if you have 16 or 18, you're in good shape to do that. But here's what I expect with 30 or 40. If you do 30 or 40, I expect that in a well-conducted job search that you're going to have six to eight interviews and you're going to get two to three solid job offers. 
That's just the percentages that we see time and time and time again. So if you have 16 to 18, well, you may have three interviews and you may have one or two job offers and that's still okay, but you increase the odds by having a larger number. Now you don't hear me say, you send out your resume to a thousand companies. I don't think you can control the follow-up process enough with that. And just sending things out blindly to a million companies is not a good process. Identify 30 to 40, where then you send out an introduction letter then a few days later, your cover letter and resume. Then a few days later, you do a phone follow-up, a personal visit. If you have a controlled process of 30 to 40, that's where we still see people getting often five or six job offers. And I talk about that in the new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love. There's one chapter that talks about a young man who came right out of college and he got six job offers in 10 days using the process that I just described. Well, you know, sometimes uh, today people are still wondering, you know, are there really jobs out there? Oh my gosh. I get this, I, I get this daily input from local hires. Uh, you could go to localhires.com and choose your city and it'll start feeding you the jobs they found. This morning, it's, uh, it told me we have 884 new jobs in Nashville, Tennessee. And it's just what they are. You can scroll through those. You know, last night, uh, Joanne and I, we're um, going downtown and we got off the exit off the freeway and there were multi, there were people on all four corners of that who had signs out, you know, begging for money. And Joanne commented, she says, you know, we really, it seems like we see a higher class of homeless. I don't know how we can frame this really, but people, she's saying people who are dressed well, look like they're competent and you really have to wonder why are they doing that? Why are they doing that rather than just walking down a street a block and seeing all the signs that are out? We're hiring right now. You can start right now. It, it seems to be a conscious choice that people just prefer to panhandle rather than have a job because um, getting the jobs uh, are certainly readily available today. Well, hey, just a reminder <clears throat> here, these are real questions. People just like you and me, you got a question, we'd love to hear about it. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the Ask Dan link, and you'll see a little red starburst jump up there. You can submit your question there or your success story, or you can just shoot it directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Or you can click on the little microphone, obviously, as you've heard a couple of people do today here, where you just leave an audio message. And if it's not real lengthy and wordy, I'll try to include it here. Abe says, I'm 23 years old. I'm married with a 16 month old son. We live in Alberta, Canada. I've been driving truck for three years, but really dislike my job. We are in step three of Dave Ramsey's plan. And with the money I make, I can finish this step by the spring. Recently started listening to your podcast, bought some books, bought the book start by John Acuff rhinoceros success by scott alexander on audible now i feel trapped in my job i don't have a high school education which is a prerequisite to land an apprenticeship in the trade that i'm interested in i'm not sure how to build a resume that will get past being eliminated upon seeing my limited education i plan on getting a ged but don't want to stay at my current job till then the other issue is that my income will drop significantly for the first few years of apprenticeship there will be college costs too, as there are eight weeks of in-class technical training per year. I'm torn on the matter, feeling like a squirrel trapped in a cage would love your advice. Well, Abe, you're, you're young, but you got that going for you. 
You have so many possibilities in moving forward. And what you really want to do is identify where do you want to be five years from now? Get clear on what you'd like that to be. You've got a 16 month old son, you're young, married. What do you want your life to look like five years from now? Really get clear on that. If in fact you want to be in this new direction, that's going to require some schooling. Hey, that's cool. I mean, that time is going to go by anyway. If you, and if you even take a slow plan of getting all this accomplished and do it in three years rather than one, you're still only going to be 26 years old. I mean, my gosh, I mean, if it took you till you're 30, I mean, certainly start down that road because you're going to position yourself for probably higher income, more fulfillment, all the things that you're looking for here that you're describing. When it comes to things like getting your GED, now that's not a lengthy process if you don't want it to be. I mean, if you're self-directed, you can jump online, get study guides for that and just take the test. I mean, most people, even if they start with really not a whole lot of foundation for that, can finish that within three months. I mean, now the test itself, you know, it takes about eight hours and you do have to know things. There are sections in mathematics and social studies and science and reading. I mean, you have to know what's, what's coming and then you get a cumulative score for that. But I'd just approach it like that. If I were in your shoes, I'd say, Hey, 90 months from now, I mean, that's, that's the rest of the year. I'd say by January 1st, 2016, I'm going to have my GED. I'm just going to figure out what the options are. I'm going to study, take the test, get that knocked off. So I had that obstacle out of the way. Then you can apply for this technical training program that you're talking about. Get started on that. Keep working while you're doing that. You know, keep driving truck. I mean, a lot of those, um, depending on how it's set up, you know, you could do it on your own time or online or on weekends or evenings or something. You know, don't, don't put yourself in a hard, desperate position or go into debt. Just continue working. But use discretionary time to develop yourself personally. That's the piece that a whole lot of people miss. They work, they're de- exhausted, depleted, and they don't do anything. And five years pass and they're in the same stinking place and feeling trapped. No, keep doing what you're doing. Don't burn the bridge, but improve yourself. So you have new options a year from now, three years from now that other people don't. Josh says, you mentioned getting a book printed in China on a recent episode. I'd like to hear more about your experience and thoughts on the process of self-publishing a physical book, study guide, or journal. Well, we just check multiple places. I mean, I had these new workbooks that I had done because of the timing. And we had this church that was going to start and I needed a hundred copies really quickly. We, instead of having those done in China or a process I'll tell you about here, we had them done by a local printer here. It cost me twice as much. That's okay. I still wanted them finished. I had promised the church we'd have them. And there were some delays that I hadn't anticipated. We still had them. Not a big deal. We got them printed and it's a company right here locally. There's a whole lot of printing options wherever you live, you know, real, real locally that you can check on to see what your best options are. Now the workbooks, we're having those done with bang printing, bang, B-A-N-G. You can check them out online. I mean, we find them to be extremely competitive for printers in the United States. We had Joanne's book done, Be Your Finest Art in China because it was so full of color a heavy, heavy book. Every page is a complete artistic layout. So we had that done then in China because it was so much cheaper, but check out where you are locally. Hey, that's, that's really all you need to do. The the options are everywhere. Printing, printing is a real easy, you know, commodity 
business. It, it's very competitive. There's a lot of players in that. It, it's it has very little to do with your ultimate success in printing a book or something. It's just one of the little details that you need to address. Well, hey, I'm, I realize where we are time wise here. I'm going to skip down here and wrap things up because Mark Stump. Now, Mark is a regular contributor of great ideas and resources. He says the group Casting Crowns has this song. The last verse of their song, Thrive, is exactly what I used as our quotation today. We know we were made for so much more than ordinary lives. It's time for us to more than just survive. We were made to thrive. And Mark says, wouldn't you agree? Thanks for all you do. Well, Mark, thanks for that clip. I pulled up the song. It's a great song. We're going to end with that today. So we're going to use Casting Crowns, We Were Made to Thrive, as our outgo today. Here we go. Listen, to check this out. Well, there you go. Great reminder. We were made to thrive. We weren't made to just survive. Yeah, great song by Casting Crowns. You can check it out there. Well, thanks for your questions. Thanks for the deep thinking that you all do. I'm always amazed at how you all are approaching not not just having more, but being more. It's not just a matter of a bigger house or nicer car. It's how do you be more? I want to talk in an upcoming show about making an impact. How do we make an impact? How do you measure that? You can make an impact without having a whole lot of money. Thanks for being part of this group where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable.